0: Welcome everyone to the Food, Farms, and Chefs radio show with restaurant industry author Kevin Wilson, highly acclaimed chef Gene Blum, and food photojournalist Amaris Pollack. Join them as they interview the biggest names in the restaurant industry, tell you about the latest food trends, and give you recipes and cooking tips too. So let's get the show started. Welcome to our listeners around the world via the podcast and our Facebook podcast platform. Our listeners on our FM station in New York and our two Philadelphia radio stations. It's Tuesday evening drive time for you. We have a great show today. So let's get the show started.
1: Hi, everyone. So I want to introduce all of our food farms and chefs and uh, fans to two amazing people. Um, first is Sarah Defonis, De who is the marketing director of Belfont Brewing and then one of these owners and the CEO of Belfont Brewing, who is Robert Boyle. Rob and Sarah, thank you for joining us on Food Farms and Chefs. Thanks for having us.
2: Yeah, thanks for having us.
1: So um, I know that you guys started Belfont Brewing in a shed um was was that somebody else's idea like where they started brewing it brewing the beers in a shed
2: and then it just kind of grew from there yeah so um a, a bunch of us that are uh that are now owners all were in the same homebrew club together and i uh, was in the backyard of one of our friends and once a week we would get together to uh just be men away from our families and Brew beer, and we brewed uh, ten gallons of homebrew a week. Uh, many different recipes, and a couple of those recipes we've kept on here at the brewery.
1: Um, and as far as your recipes are concerned, who comes up with with all of them? Do you guys collaborate together?
2: So most of the uh, most of the recipe design is uh, our brewer Joe Bob Jacobs, and he um, he's a really really uh, good uh, homebrew background and. Uh, he just has uh, what he thinks are uh, are great ideas about what what goes into a beer and what what makes it uh, taste good to him and uh, thankfully that translates well into other people really liking it too and uh, he's he's uh, an excellent an excellent source for those those recipe ideas um, once once the recipes are created then it's on uh, a group of us to come up with names and to pitch ideas to Sarah to come up with labels and Sometimes we're not very helpful with that and uh, so Sarah gets to be gets to get to be creative and, and come up with what the best way is to sell the beer beyond uh, just be able to try it.
1: <laughs> now you initially opened or um, I don't know if you had been been on board at that point in time but the original location is um, off of Old Capitol Trail. And, um, it was a smaller, it was a f- smaller venue than the one that I met Sarah at. And I think I saw you in passing while I was there, but, um, you know, what was that like opening that up and, you know, just having that joy of like seeing the growth, um, of the brewery itself.
2: It was, it was pretty, uh, a pretty amazing experience. You know, um, we had, we had three founders, um, and. Two of them were, were brewers, and they all—they uh, each have their own ideas uh, about what what makes a great beer. And uh, one of them ended up leaving to start another brewery. But um, when we opened uh, six years ago, it was a rainy Saturday, and we still uh, managed to get 600 people pass through um, this little 1,800-square-foot uh, storage unit that is in an industrial park here in Wilmington off Capitol. <laughs> And the walls were painted flat white and we had harsh fluorescence overhead and we had, uh, you know, a a wooden bar and, you know, eight taps and we couldn't pour the beers fast enough. There was four of us back there just trying to keep up with the crowd and people were waiting in line for 20 minutes to to get a pint and then going back to the back of the line and getting right back and drinking while they were waiting.
3: (laughs) That's a smart way to do it. It was absolutely downpouring that day. I actually, came one of the original uh, of the three I went I was friends with in high school, and a couple of us came to support him. And it, it wasn't just ri- it was like thunder and lightning. break. <laughs> and it was just enough out where it was like, well, the beer's good. I guess I'm gonna get wet today. Uh, <laughs> and it just I, I had to park across the street. There wasn't any parking available in the entire industrial park. So it's definitely successful (laughs) and speaking of
1: to like speaking of the success story of it you you know eventually i think it was like three years later you guys you know grew so big or grew out of that environment that you opened up the second location um and i believe that's when you started canning too
2: um we actually we started canning um right at the end of 2018 and um that was, that was a nice leap forward for us. Uh, we have our own canning machine. And so we were able to do small releases and uh, uh, just keep uh, another to-go option available for, uh, for people that came into the tap room. Um, and it was around that same time that we started looking for uh, a spot to host our second location. Um, and we found one in North Wilmington at a strip mall and uh, it's on Marsh Road and uh, it's, it's easy access off 95. Um, from uh, Delaware County. We're only about 10 minutes from Delaware County. And that second location had uh, opened in February of 2020, um, which was uh, just an ideal time to uh, to start the next phase of our expansion in business. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was like the looming, like, oh, God. Then, so the pandemic hit, obviously. Um, and... Yeah. Opening. Yeah, which is still, like obviously not your ideal, um. And so how? What? What kept it alive? What kept you guys, you know, running as far as the pandemic was concerned?
2: Well, it's it's uh, it's exactly what you said. It's the canning that kept us going. Um, we were uh, Delaware did not allow uh, us to be open for on premise consumption because we didn't we were in a restaurant, um, and then uh, actually all the restaurants were only doing to go sales as well. Um, so our, the fact that we owned our own canning equipment, um, small as it is, uh, allowed us to, uh, keep, you know, four packs and 16 ounce cans available at, to go at both locations. Um, and it, it, it paid the bills. Um, it kept us, it kept us alive for that uh, year while we weren't really allowed to do a whole lot. And, uh, the restrictions finally eased up in the spring of 2021 and, uh, have, you know, things have gotten steadily better since then but it was the the fact that we didn't have to worry about calling in a mobile canning company or um rely on somebody else to help package our our beer to uh that allowed us to uh, to stay in business
1: yeah now um as far as business concerns are you know related you also belong to a, the delaware built beer brewers guild um, and I know that Delaware had put up restrictions at, or uh, laws or whatever, where they prevent you guys from selling in store. Um, the De- the Delaware <laughs> Brewers Guild um, kind of brought you guys together for creating a beer to help kind of bring awareness and whatnot to that, that issue. And um, you guys like participated in the Della. We are beer. Um, what was that like, how, you know, bringing, you know, coming together and creating a recipe that is built off of, you know, hops that are from Delaware.
2: So, um, everybody, all, all the different breweries that participate, I think all of us did it It was about you know, 22 different breweries. Um, and I, I'm pretty sure all just about everybody, uh, signed on, um, but everyone was uh, able to make what they came up with as their idea of a Delaware IPA. And, uh, so we used local honey. Um, it Delaware is not a really great climate for growing hops. So, uh, we didn't use hops. We use local grain from proximity malt, which, uh, which is grown in on, on the Delmarva peninsula. Um, and there's uh, small wonder honey is uh, a local vendor. Um, and they get wildflower honey from their, their backyard here in Wilmington. And, uh, Uh, sell it locally at craft sales and things like that and that's uh that was um that was our 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 main focus in the uh in in doing that new england ipa um as far as the delaware brewers guild is concerned they helped us with marketing it and um they had come up with a label design and just you know asked that we not tweak it too much and um it was a really great project to um, kind of bring the whole brewing community together to try and support the people that have supported us um, because they were um, always interfacing with the governor's office and with the restaurant association um, to try and figure out what was coming next and, and, and be an advocate for us while the government was, um, you know, trying to help everybody, but at the same time, uh, trying to uh, restrict how they went about having that good time and save everybody. Um, it was a really tight rope to walk. I don't begrudge anybody that that responsibility, but trying to remain in business was what we were focused on. And uh, the Brewers Guild was an advocate for us Um, and being able to participate in that project and give back to them was uh, was important for us. Yeah. And that
1: is, I know, a huge thing for you guys, because. Um, Not only do I know uh, the founder of Trauma Trauma Survivors Foundation, uh, but I know a bunch of different foundations um, in addition to that. But I've noticed on your events calendar, you offer a lot of support for the community surrounding you as far as first responders are concerned and um, teachers. So one of the things moving forward that you, you know, done is collaborated with various foundations to offer up different events. So, you know, what, you know, what are some of the events that you've thrown in the past and, you know, that you will are preparing for, in, you know, moving forward?
3: I guess that's me. Um, so I'll start with the Trauma Survivors Foundation. Um, they have been, a a growing partner with us uh, at both of our locations and dennis who is the primary person that we work with there that runs everything is first of all just a really amazing human um and he does a lot uh, with the events and also outside of the events um he has helped us grow as far as the size of our events um last year in october the Delaware Beer Festival ran out of our brandy wine location on Marsh Road, and we sold about twelve hundred tickets. Um, Dennis has his sights set on something closer to four thousand tickets this year, which <laughs> our facility can handle. So we're actually—it's going to be our first off-site event, and that you know that we run, and that's going to be October first. Um, I don't think we've settled on a place just yet, but tickets should be opening up soon once we settle on that. Um, and then we run a number of happy hours out of the brewery, not just for the Trauma Survivors Foundation, but we've been trying to reach out to additional foundations and charity organizations throughout the state. And a little bit, as Rob mentioned, particularly our brand new wine location is... Um, really close to the Pennsylvania line. So if they're a little bit in Delaware, primarily in Pennsylvania, you know, we're, we're here to help everybody. Um, it's definitely a mutually beneficial relationship. Um, so we run different charities. Uh, each month is the beneficiary, Renee's Rescues, which is an uh, animal rescue group here in Delaware is our main beneficiary. So a dollar from every client sold on Mondays at both of our locations goes straight to them. And then we just write them a check at the end of the month. Um, and we do a different charity every month for that and then throughout the month not just that charity but additional people are able to come to us and we run like we don't we help them run different happy hour events so that that way they're able to accrue additional money um and have a safe space where not only do their guests want to come and hang out but also you know we like to be able to do a little bit of that legwork for them to make it as easy as possible for them, because at the end of the day, they already do so much. Um, yeah. For the community. you know, every little bit helps, but I, I like to be able to kind of do some of that legwork. Um, so right now, most of the smaller charity events are going on, but in July, benefiting the Spring Kids, uh, we're going to be having a Christmas in July at the Brandywine location. So that's our most current, our larger uh, charity event happening right now in the near future. And
1: um, jumping off of different events, not charity, but a big event because you guys, as you had mentioned um, before, your your birthday celebration of five years and your, the one that's upcoming, your sixth year anniversary, is actually this coming weekend. So do you want to talk a little bit about that?
3: Sure. Um, it's actually this coming Saturday. It's at uh, 3605 Old Capital Trail which is our flagship location. It's that original, smaller brewery uh, that you mentioned earlier. The cool thing about that and being in a warehouse situation now is that we're able to gain additional permits that we've filed for so that that way we can close off part of the parking lot and enjoy the outside weather, uh, knock on wood, <laughs> um, and, and be able to kind of have some music outside. A group called Low Brow Bastards is coming to play with us. And then we have the food truck, Bristow Live Fire Pizza, um, who makes the most amazing pizza. I'm fond of the Honey Badger um, is also coming, and they'll be with us. Uh, and like I said, that starts at five, and then it goes all night. Um, and we're really excited to still be here. Honestly, six is my lucky number, so I'm excited for our sixth anniversary here,
1: <laughs> which is exciting! Yay! Exciting. And we're we'll forward to the seventh and eighth.
3: <laughs> Especially pandemic in the middle there, it's like you kind of have to remind yourself like what year is this anymore
1: (laughs) now um for anybody who is watching this on youtube later on they can see that you guys are at the brewery and and indulging in a beverage um so (laughs) cheers to you um so what are some of the beers that you have on tap right now that you know what's one of your more popular beers I know that when I was there I had that chai one that you recommended yep. um she lined up like four or four or five different ones and I was like oh I'm not gonna like the chai and I was like oh this is so good
3: <laughs> and you were like no I don't know and I was like well here's a bunch of ones that we talked about I don't think you even touched the other ones you're like no this this is it let's go
1: <laughs> i did try. i did try all the rest of them but that one was like oh no 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 this she was right
3: <laughs> we brewed That one for the first pandemic ridden kenneth brew festival um they did like a take home kind of setup where each brewery you got two beers from every brewery that participated um for a total of a ridiculous amount of beer and then you got to take it home and go with friends and and try it a lot of people split it because it wasn't really a ticket basis Um, so that recipe was originally built by our Joe Bob for that event and it was so popular because we had a little bit of it left and put it on top it was so popular that he almost immediately right after had to brew more of it to kind of fulfill that Um, (laughs) demand. I
1: I have to say that after after trying trying it i definitely want to come back and like buy like a growler <laughs> hands too
2: <laughs> um available in four packs <laughs> so some of so, the other ones yeah we have um we have our, our our top selling beer forever is the orange creed ale which is a cream ale with orange blossom honey and sweet orange peel uh, that beer is always available at both of our locations uh, and in four packs um, features this coming week, uh, we have a couple of New England IPAs: our Easy, uh, New England IPA, El um, Hopo. Yep, and then we have a couple of our sours: uh, our Joe Jam, uh, uh, mixed berry or raspberry flavors will both be available this weekend. And um, we also have a sour series called the Fruited Offering, so they're uh, 5% ABV, and we do a variety of different fruit flavors. Um, we do mango, we do white peach, um, raspberry. I'm
3: um, drinking the guava colada right, right now, just like the peanut colada, and that makes me really happy.
1: <laughs> I'll have to try that next time, because now I trust everything that you put in front of me. <laughs> um, so I, unfortunately, like, I'm going to have to wrap you guys up. Um, when you're having fun on the radio, when you're having fun interviewing, it's not work, it's play um so where can we find you online
3: um so you can go to our website which is belfontbrewingco.com or you can check us out on facebook all of our events are listed on our events page but the majority of the details are actually on um our facebook's we have two separate facebook's one is just Growing and the other one's belfontbrandywine um and then they show, share a joint instagram which is belfontbrewingco.com
1: All right. Thank you so much for joining us, Rob and Sarah. And uh, cheers. Enjoy the rest of your your beer. And uh, I look forward to seeing you guys again soon. Thank you. We'll see you soon. Thanks for having
0: us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Let's take a break and we'll be right back. To become a sponsor of our show and have your business or event promoted on every single podcast platform, To Philadelphia radio stations on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. evening drive time, an FM station in New York, and to the millions of Facebook users worldwide with access to the Facebook mobile app. Send us an email to either Food Farms and Chefs at Yahoo.com or Dining on a Dime at Yahoo.com. And we're back. Amorous Pollock, introduce us to your fabulous guests.
1: Hi, everyone. I want to reintroduce you to Abby DeHaan, who is the owner and the chef behind the big school in Philadelphia. Um, she is also going to be doing an amazing multi course dinner uh, at River Twice coming May 16th. So, Abby, thank you for joining us and welcome to Food Farms and Chefs again.
4: Thanks for having me on again, guys. It's great to to be chatting with
1: you. I know. We loved you the first time around, and we still love you. (laughs) So, I mean, for (laughs) (laughs) for our listeners out there who might not know you, um, you have quite the culinary history in Philadelphia and, you know, with some TV background, too. um, But you were one of the pastry chefs at Park, which is one of the most esteemed places, when people look up, you know, where do I want to eat in Philadelphia? Park definitely pops up all the time. Um, oh yeah, and, and yeah. So you worked there for how long? Remind us. Uh, almost eight years. And then, um then I believe the pandemic hit, if I remember, recall, and that's when mm-hmm. you, you know, had to obviously stay at home. Everyone had to stay at home. And um, you began baking at home
4: and selling things out of your house, if I recall. Yeah, I started out with challahs. I wanted to do kind of a charity thing for, you know, elderly people or people that were maybe ill that couldn't get a challah for the Sabbath for the Sabbath on Friday. So it kind of started from there and then it just kind of grew. Um, I, to be honest, wasn't expecting it to grow so, so big. And then, the bake school came out of it.
1: Uh, yes, and you've been running the bake school for a little while now, um, and it's you know popular, obviously. Uh, how often do you have
4: classes? Well, I, I just uh, started back up for maternity leave, so um, this week I have uh, three classes, and last week I actually did um, did desserts for the NFL draft, so that I was doing that all week. So, um, pretty pretty busy this month actually it's pretty packed
1: <laughs> you you just dove right in after getting back from maternity leave. yeah
4: yeah was yeah that... definitely didn't take it slow <laughs>
1: <laughs> was that like a little jarring going from like you know becoming a new mother to uh having to to just jump right in
4: um physically yes like I, I think I my body forgot what it was like to be standing for you know, 10, 12 hours and also not sleeping well at the same time. So yeah. that was a little bit, uh, a little bit weird, but, but getting back into, uh, you know, producing, making things kind of like busting it out, that actually felt very much like home. Like I was like, oh, I know this, this feels good. Like I, it just made sense, you know? Yeah. Now,
1: uh, given that you were home for so long, did you come up with any new recipes while you were, uh, had some, uh, not a lot of extra time because I have never been a new mother, but I know friends who had babies. It's a very demanding uh, life because you basically sleep when your baby sleeps and you have to be awake and cater to your baby when your baby's awake. But were you able to come up with any new recipes while you were um, on
4: maternity leave? New, no, but I did work a lot on my on my lamination. So croissants and things like that. I just, I really like making um, like laminating pastries. That's what we call it when you're, you know, laminating butter and dough together. So I worked on that a little bit, um, which was really great. But to be honest with you, I didn't, uh, not only did I not have a ton of time and energy because I have a very uh, needy child. I mean, which child isn't needy, let's be honest. Um, but also I was, I really wanted to give myself like a break. I think we often try to jump too close or too quickly back into something when, you know, we really need to take the time and enjoy enjoy the time we have while we while we have it. It's not always that we have time off. You know, I'm very fortunate that I got um such a you know long maternity leave. I got twelve, thirteen weeks. So, you know, I wanted to just enjoy it. And that's understandable.
1: Um now as far as you know things that are happening in your life, um when, you know, are you doing any pop-up events um, in addition to uh, the bake school, or are you, are you, you know, right now just focused on the bake school?
4: So for this month, actually, um, I'm focused on the bake school. I do have quite a few classes. Um, I am doing the uh, River Twice Hidden in Plain Sight dinner, which I'm super excited about. That's on May 16th. Chef Randy is, I mean, he's just amazing this guy's amazing um so it's going to be really wonderful to work with him and um you know to have created a menu that is just reflects me and my upbringing and but to be able to put his twist on it his you know like his elevated food twist on it so um I'm really excited about that um and then also which uh, it's it's just it's just been finalized but I will actually be starting as uh the essentially the corporate pastry chef for Schultzen uh, this this month. So um I'm I'll be heading up the dessert menus for all of their restaurants and any new and upcoming projects. And it's a really exciting, super exciting position. Um so starting that soon, it's gonna be a great time. That is that is super exciting. Congratulations. Thank you. Thanks. I'm, I'm really, really stoked.
1: Um, so I know we uh, breezed over the river twice. Um, but I wanted to delve a little bit into that, uh, just because oh. it's a huge deal. Um, as far as like having other, you know, like restaurant tours, like highlight you. And, um, I was, I was very excited um, because you are going to be delving into
4: savory dishes. Yes. So it's, it's funny, but I actually cook a lot, a lot, a lot at home. Um, and before choosing pastry as the, the route I wanted to go into, I wanted to do savory food. I wanted to be a savory chef and I never did it because, um, you know, I eat kosher, so, you know, learning in that kind of environment where you you have to deal with all kinds of proteins and things like that. Um, it wasn't something at the time that I was comfortable with, and so I went to pastry route, which I don't regret at all, actually. I think that's much more fitting for me, um, but I still, I love I loved to cook. I've been around food my whole life. My family, we're Moroccan, Jewish, French, so lots of different um, lots of different flavors, uh, you know, going up in, in my house. And uh, so I'm just excited to share those things with other people. You know, all this time, it's been my husband, my family, friends that have tasted my savory food. Um, and so now I get to kind of impart that part of myself to to others. And I, I, I hope they love it. I well i i meet i've been meaning to
1: actually buy a ticket and i still have to but i want to join you um on that little endeavor because i am i want to taste you know what it is that you're creating because i'm pretty sure that everyone's gonna love it
4: i hope so i mean it's very reminiscent of um, you know everyone knows like zahab and all that like it's those salads you know like every holiday we have in my house like we start our meals with the salad team that's what we call like the, the bunch of salads like the you know the beet and the, the peppers and all that we always always in my whole entire life have started every big holiday dinner every Shabbat dinner um, with salads like this so you know there's going to be a little bit of a, a little bit of a, that kind of that kind of vibe so it's going to be it's yeah. going to be really cool. Um Now,
1: as far as savory is concerned and the vibes are concerned with the new position that you have, what kinds of foods are you going to be creating for um the Schultzen group?
4: well it's going be um it's going to be catered to the restaurant, so really just trying to um, elevate their their dessert program, keep it really fresh really seasonal um and then just making sure that it stays within the confines of what the um, the theme of the restaurant is, you know, obviously, we've got Prunella, which is like Italian pizza kind of casual. And then there's also Giuseppe Incense, which is also Italian, but a totally different vibe, Harp and Crown. So there's a lot of opportunity to really um, do a lot of different fun things uh, and, and kind of put my hand in a lot of other um, flavors I haven't necessarily worked with too often. You know, I've been at I was at Park for so long, which is French, and I've worked with a lot of other different cuisines, but this is going to be a lot of Italian, it's going to be obviously a lot of some Asian influence, so um, different Hmm. things that I'm excited to just try and kind of expand on.
1: Um, Which is exciting, because, you know, I mean, it's, yeah, because I know that the last time that we had you on, you had talked about that, how you, you know, really wanted to delve into the different um, genres of, of food, especially like into the savory section so I'm kind Mm -hmm. of excited for you because that that opens you up creatively
4: in the culinary world absolutely yeah and I think that's that's what kind of keeps that's like the lifeblood of a chef is is being able to be creative if you take a chef and you put them in an environment where they can't have fun and create that's that's the core of what we do then that's where a chef just dies you know so to me being able to expand not only savory but as in the pastry in my pastry palette be able to expand that as well to different cuisines uh is so it's so exciting it's like incredibly enticing to me and and if you
1: want to you can probably delve into like creating ice creams and stuff to like go with those pastries
4: <laughs> oh absolutely i mean absolutely absolutely there's there's going to be a lot hopefully to to look forward to in a you know, definitely in the coming year with Jolson, they have quite a few fun things opening and planned. Um, and I'm just really excited to be a part of it.
1: I'm excited for you. Thank um, you. I know. I have, like, I'm wondering, like, do you have any other like little surprises and tidbit, tidbits of information that, you know, you want to throw out
4: there for us? Mm, nothing I can share at the moment. Um, but, you know, all in due time, all in due time. so
1: you heard it first there is definitely something brewing back there for abby dahan on food farms and chefs yeah (laughs) um so i'm excited for you uh now insofar as your pastries are concerned um are you still you know baking and trying to sell online at all because i know i would love to buy pastries from you
4: so I actually am not taking any more orders right now. Um, I do have some that I've already, you know, committed to that I'll be doing, but overall, I really want to be able to f- focus on uh, my new job. And then here and there, I will be taking some private clients for the base school. I have some long-term clients that, um, you know, I've gotten very close with and we have a great work- working relationship. So, you know, those I'll still be able to finagle with some time, but. With that said, I only have so many hours in the day, yeah. and uh, and I do want to I do want to leave some to my family at some point. So uh, yeah, I'm going to try not to pile on so much, which I tend to do. And uh, yeah, so no more orders for now. But that doesn't mean that that will be forever.
1: Hmm. Um, so are you going to be able to combine the bake school with uh, your new job?
4: I mean, I think I'll, I'll have to, it'll take a lot of organization, but I'll be able to definitely take on a few classes once in a while. Um, It won't be as full-time as I do it now, which is several times per week and, you know, consistent private clients and things like that. But um, I'll definitely be able to do um, a few here and there for, for my long-term clients probably. And and hopefully even some public classes if, if I can.
1: That would be fun um now so i am looking forward to you at river twice and that is happening on may 16th correct
2: Mm -hmm.
1: that's correct yep and tickets are still available um yep so and where else can we find you online you know
4: how can we follow you well so anyone can follow me at at abbydehan on instagram or at the bake school on instagram um I don't, I just don't do the Twitter. I don't do it. I, I can't get, I don't know. I feel like one social media thing is, is good enough for me and, and no TikTok either, not as of yet. Um, so definitely on Instagram and always, if anyone is interested or wants more information on the bake School, they can go to the com, send in an inquiry. Um, and then of course I will get back to them as soon as I can. All
1: right. Well, Avi Dahan, it has been awesome having you on. I know that you are busy. You're a mom. You're an owner. You are now prepping for your new position. Um, So thank you so much for joining us on Food Farms and Chefs. And I look forward to whatever your new update is going to be that you alluded to.
4: Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. It's always a joy of, you know, talking to you and talking food, talking pastries. I love it. I know.
1: (laughs) All right. So until the next time that we get to hear from you, I wish you well and the best of luck with your new position.
4: Thank you. And hopefully I'll see you on May 16th.
1: I know. Right. All right. Thank you so much, Abby. Thank you. Thank you.
0: Okay. Let's take a break and we'll be right back. Tune in to Dining on a Dime to hear
1: from Gene Blum, our chef, educator, consultant, and historian. You can find him across social media at IBFoodie2 or Gene Blum at IBFoodie2 at yahoo.com. And you can also tune in to listen to Amaris Pollock and find her across social media at A-R-P-O-L-L-O-C-K-U-S at gmail.com.
0: And we're back. Amorous Pollock introduce us to your fabulous guest. Hey,
1: everyone. I want to introduce you to the amazing and talented, and you will hear her name more often, I am sure, Chef Emily Shalhoub. Um, She is currently the executive chef at Crybaby Pasta, which is one of Bridget Foy's uh, little babies. And Chef, we, thank you for joining us on Food Farms and Chefs. Thanks for having me. <laughs> um, so I was telling telling you before, you know, we got into the interview that I am a little bit like taken, like, I'm like, I feel like I'm talking to a celebrity because your history within the culinary world is just amazing considering like you are so young still and like, yet you have a... a You know track record of working at some of the more esteemed and established places that are, in you know found in our country, in our country, but then also in Australia. (laughs) So um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your history in the culinary world? Where did you um, graduate from, and then where have you worked? Like where are some of the places that you've worked? Because I can't get over. (laughs) the people in the restaurants that you worked for.
5: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I graduated from culinary school. Um, I went to the Culinary Institute of America, um, and I graduated in 2010. Um, shortly after that, I started, I moved to Philadelphia and started working at fork under Terrence Fury. Um, and that's where I really started to get like a taste of the fine dining world and became obsessed. Um, And I met Andrew Wood there, he was um, a sous chef there. Um, And he took me along to help him open up Russet, um, which was a BYOB in Rittenhouse. Um, And that's where I feel like I really um, came into my own as a chef, you know? Um, It was like farm to table and I don't know. Uh, Andrew, I consider him my mentor now um, he really encouraged me to move out to California and like, you know, really go hard out there and like, learn, um, about like the vegetables and, you know, all the great chefs and everything there. So <clears throat> I started out at Atelier Crenn. I, uh, specifically chose it because, um, Dominique Kren is amazing. Um, you know, I really wanted to work for a female chef specifically, um, and yeah, I worked there for about a year and then moved on to Cezanne, which was super fun. One of my most favorite jobs ever. I love playing with fire. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so like that's when I started to realize I like hopping around a lot, you know. So um, I came back to Philly for a little while, had like a short little stint as the CDC at um, Little Fish. Okay. Um, and then after that, that's when I moved to um Australia and you know I hadn't really planned on like cooking like in a very reputable place I kind of just wanted to like run around Australia and have fun um but I got sucked into Lume and met this amazing chef Sean Quaid who now has a vegan cheese company in LA um but yeah I was a pastry chef there um and I absolutely loved that job and I'm so glad that I did it Um, But yeah, did some casual work there too. Um, And then, yeah, I got like bit by the uh, backpack, backpacking bug. So I was hopping (laughs) around a little bit and fell into crybaby when I came back from Australia and I just picked it up as like a casual job um, doing some prep before I went on a backpacking trip to South America uh, for a few months. And so you know, I worked at crybaby for like two months as a prep cook. And then, um, yeah, went on a backpacking trip and came back and like, I love Bridget Foy. Like I love working with women. Um, and so she sucked me back in and it's been my longest job ever. And I really love it, (laughs) which is good.
1: And, um, like your history with the, within the culinary world, you have bounced between, um, like, a like working, as you said, working with fire, you've worked with um, where the etiquette is like tweezers and put it on, you know, place it onto a plate. Um, You have any, like a large, sorry, a large history of, um, and a vast knowledge of, yeah, sorry. You have a huge history within the culinary world and like a vast knowledge based on like all the different restaurants that you've worked at and so many genres of it now how are you pulling all that together at crybaby pasta
5: um well you know like i think i have such a wide range of things because i can never choose one specific one you know there's nothing that i like really love the most but i do truly love like shaping intricate little pastas by hand um so i think that's why i kind of lean towards crybaby because you know, in my perfect world, like, I would just be shaping raviolis every day for the rest of my life, you know?
1: Now, um, I mean, I don't know if I would, like, that seems, like, tedious shaping raviolis every day, (laughs) but um, I I would go after gnocchis. Gnocchis are so much easier for me, (laughs) (laughs) Um, but, uh, but, like, you also have delved into a new, um, something new that I, I have a lot of accolades for, um, you are going to be competing in dish it up. Mm -hmm. So with your history and all of the vast knowledge, um, I know that you can't actually tell us like what you're going to be creating exactly, but are you going to be in the sweets category, the savory or both?
5: It'll uh, actually, maybe it is a little bit of both, but yeah, I mean, it'll fit under the umbrella of crybaby pasta. I'll say that much. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, so that's a lot to look forward to. That's such a, like, that's a nice hit too.
3: <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs>
1: So how did you get involved in that? And what inspired you? Um, is there somebody in your life that, you know, inspired you or, you know, a specific motivation and mind you, I know that that's, that could be like a very personal answer. So you don't need to get into it if you don't want, but if you feel comfortable enough.
5: Yeah, no, totally. Um, I do feel okay with it. I've been like very open about this in my uh, own personal social media and everything. Um, But yeah, I am a survivor of sexual assault, and, um, you know, since I have been so vocal um, in my personal life, both, like, out in public and on social media, a lot of people have come to me and shared their stories as well. So I do know quite a few victims of sexual assault and domestic violence. So it does, like, hit close to home for me. And, um... You know, I think I find the most comfort in a, like a community of women, you know, just like sharing things and just like having, yeah, just a beautiful, loving community. So I think that Dish It Up is going to be a fantastic way to represent that.
1: And I believe that, you know, that's as well. We we will be there present. Um during during Dish It Up, uh, we're one of the spon- like uh, we're the media sponsor for it, um, so it's very important to to like let people know, you know, come out because it's it is it has a huge effect on everyone, especially in the Philadelphia area specifically in the Philadelphia area because domestic abuse is something that affects everyone. So you know, thank you for sharing. By the way, your story. Um, because you know, I know people who have been affected by it. I've been affected by it. Um, and so dish it up, which benefits um, women against abuse, the foundation. Um, they are whole, whole hosting that. and so it's a about a 500, um, 500 people are going to be attending. Uh, does that make you nervous at all having that many people attend? No. <laughs> the, the more the merrier <laughs> um but uh but so it gets your face out there it gets you know the word out there too um so and and that's very important to get the word out um and you know i think that for anybody who is you know listening right now if you are um affected by by domestic abuse or know somebody who is There is a number for women against abuse. Their number is 866-723-3014. So that if you need to call the the line or whatnot and, you know, discuss what's happening in your life, you know, by all means, you know, call that line. Um, But I'm excited for all of you, all of you chefs who have been touched by domestic abuse, either, you know, by knowing somebody or by having experienced it yourself coming together, and creating meals and, you know, creating this huge event, um, and competing (laughs) with some of your talents where, you know, it's kind of bringing that awareness, but also like, you know, it's a very enjoyable experience because, you know, we're, we're all coming together to offer that support. Um, so I thank you for your participation in the competition.
5: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I, uh, can get very competitive. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, that's
1: good. Cause I mean, that's (laughs) maybe you'll come out on top with the the award, the edition up award. (laughs) Um, So what are some of the things like, I don't know if you speak with any of the other competitors, do you know um, who is going to be competing with savory versus sweet?
5: no, actually I don't.
1: <laughs> um,
5: well, I'm just going to give it my best shot.
1: That's good. I yeah. mean, and and I'll be there. I'll be there to taste it.
3: Mm-hmm. And
1: I've had your, your crybaby pasta, like some of your like pastas and sauces. Oh, yeah? Um, I love the, uh, bolognese sauce. So- I think it's the bolognese sauce. Um, I had it for the first time with the fresh pasta that you guys make. And it's like, I was like, I don't want to go anywhere else. <laughs> yeah. So um, uh, now as far as other things that are happening um, with you, what what else do you have going on?
5: Uh, well, I guess we can talk about this. I have actually like recently been uh, diagnosed with celiac, um, ah. which is wild as the executive chef of a pasta place. So I am sort of working on a little gluten-free pop-up.
1: Nice. I'm still Congrats. in the very
5: beginning works of it, but um, yeah, it'll happen at Crybaby um on a Monday.
1: Oh, that's good. Yeah. And I mean and and you know. For our listeners that we have a lot of listeners and we do have the, you know, listeners that are gluten that have to follow the gluten-free diet and have to, um, you know, that, that are vegan and, you know, whatnot. So you at Cryberry Baby Pasta offer, you know, a variety of dishes. So now you'll have that, you know, going for you as well. Mm -hmm.
5: So are you playing around with, uh, dish ideas right now? I am, um, I'm pretty happy with, um, a gluten-free tart crust that I've, uh, developed. Um, but yeah, and I don't know, uh, gluten-free pasta is pretty difficult. So it's going to take a little more R and D on my part to, uh, get the perfect one. And for me to be confident, uh, hosting said (laughs) pop-up.
1: I think you'd be fine. Um, you know, (laughs) and like, I, promoting, I'm sure promoting, like sending out press releases and like marketing on Instagram and whatnot would be easier. And, you know, Hey, maybe you can tap into the sisterly love food fair, you know, genre too, like, and have them help you cross promote that.
5: Oh, absolutely. Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) And, um, now you said that you love, you know, working for female chefs in Bridget Foy. Have you ever, um, gone over to any of her, like her other location?
5: Uh, no, I mean, no, I've never, like, worked at Bridget Foy's, but, like, you know, I'm I'm always hanging out in there. We're only a block away, so, like, we, like, share some of the same equipment, and it's a very, like, uh, we have a nice little tight-knit crew going on between the two restaurants. Which is good. Yeah.
1: Um, and have you ever had, because I've had the um, Bridget Foy's Pal- uh, Paloma, the, like yeah and I'm like I was like scrolling through your Instagram I think it was your Instagram or maybe it was hers and I I came across there was like a straw there was a strawberry one and I was like oh my god I need to have that yeah yeah um have you have you ever like created rest like come up with some of the recipes for cocktails
3: or anything with her or
5: no you know Guy Smith does do the program for both Bridget Foy's and um Crybaby the whole beverage program. Um, And he does a really great job of like picking out the wines and coming up with the cocktails. I think it's like a very approachable, but like complex cocktail program he's got going on. And I really don't do any input. He's like just runs the whole show okay <laughs> um and as far as
1: baby pasta is concerned do you guys have any kind of different celebrations that are coming up I know that you're not you know Latin but like Cinco de Mayo is coming up Mother's Day um do you guys have any kind of uh planned celebrations for for any of that
5: yeah um we are celebrating uh, Mother's Day uh so I'm doing a strawberry ravioli um we actually did i like developed this dish when i was working at uh russet um and we used to put foie on top of it but this time it's just going to be vegetarian um <laughs> with some aged balsamic and then um you know i'm culturing some butter right now to serve with some radishes and fava beans and things like that
1: that sounds delicious
5: yeah
1: <laughs> <laughs> um and then do you have any, t- like, cause I've seen that in the past, um, there's like sometimes tasting menus or, you know, like, a um, a dinner, you know, dinner deal where it's like, you know, a set, a prefixed, there we go. That's the word prefix, <laughs> a prefixed menu so that you can cho- choose off of, um, you know, a starter, a main and dessert. Do you guys have anything like that coming up for any of the celebrations that are upcoming?
5: Um, nothing planned yet. Um, we do do the occasional like wine prefix, um, like pairing situation. So, I'm sure another one will uh, surface sometime soon. <laughs> and now, this is almost terrible
1: to ask a chef because obviously your palate is expansive. But like, what on the menu is one of your favorite things to enjoy?
5: It's a little bit difficult to answer now that I can't have a lot of the menu. Oh, yeah. I'm so sorry, um, but you can no, create it. No, <laughs> no, but pre-celiacs, pre, uh, um, I guess my favorite pasta dish would be the creste de gallo, which um, we make with kale water and uh, spirulina. um, And the sauce is um, like a mushroom ragu, um, and it has like lots of leeks and like four or five different types of mushrooms and uh like lots of thyme and rosemary it's just like uh umami bomb and like really herbal and I love it wait now what was that dish called again <laughs> called the, uh crusted
1: because that sounds amazing and I kind of want it right in front of me right now yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um now as far as social media is concerned um I found you on Instagram, but do you have any other, uh, social media that we could find you at? And then where can we find, um, Cry Baby Pasta and Dish Adopt's event?
5: Oh yeah. Um, so my personal Instagram is eshaloo. Um, I also run crybaby's Instagram, which is just Crybaby Um, so yeah, you can find me in either one of those. Um, yeah. And then um, to buy tickets to
1: experience your food at Dish It Up, we can, you know, direct people to women, uh, sorry, org, And you can buy tickets. Uh, they're, they're up for grabs still. And, you know, you can enjoy a bunch of different culinary delights from everyone, but in particular, Chef Emily Shalou <laughs> um, And, you know, vote for her <laughs> <laughs> um, Emily, thank you so much for joining us on food farms and chefs. Thank you and I wish you luck at the competition and also with your new endeavor with the gluten-free um, I'm guess I can say pasta the gluten-free <laughs> pasta choices
5: <laughs>
0: thank, you, <Emily. laughs> thank you Emily. Thank
5: you Emily. Thank you.
0: All right. Uh, we are very proud to be doing a live show from the Dish It Up event on May 18th at Lincoln Financial Field. We will be there. Just got our banner today. I'm going to be uh, having the banner there and everything else. So thank you so much. We're very excited about the Dish It Up event on May 18th. PhillyRestaurantReviews.com for all information about the show. Amorous Pollock. You can find
1: me across social media at arpolycus, or you can email me at arpolycus at gmail.com or foodfrontsandchefs at yahoo.com if you would like to be a sponsor or guest on the show. And you can find Gene Blum at ibfoodie 2 across social media or email him at ibfoodie 2 at yahoo.com.
0: Have a great week. We'll see you next week.